turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. We then can receive Christ as our Savior and His righteousness is then, here's another $3 word in the Bible, it's imputed unto us. It just simply means it's, it's transferred unto us. And that's why one day we can stand before God. When you know Christ is your Savior, you can stand before God on a day of judgment. And because of what the transference of God's righteousness to us through His Son, that's why we stand, as Jude says, faultless one day before His glorious throne. Because of what because God sees us in view of His Son. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Galatians. Knowing your own soul and the sins that litter both your past and present, it's hard to understand God's perspective of you. Satan likes to dangle those transgressions in front of you in an effective effort to make you feel unforgivable. As Pastor Gary continues our study of Galatians in today's message, he offers a vivid picture of how God's grace works. When you accept the atonement of Christ, He comes in and covers your stained soul with His righteousness. That is what God sees when He looks at you. He sees His Son, Jesus. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Galatians chapter 3 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. Let me just give you a a quick uh, recap. If you're new to our study of Galatians, this is important for you to understand. Paul was inspired by the Lord to write the letter to the churches of Galatia because they were starting to embrace a false doctrine, the false doctrine that some were spreading. And the doctrine went something like this. Yes, you need to accept Jesus as your Savior to have your sins forgiven and to go to heaven, but you also need to practice some of the Jewish rites and customs. And primarily, the one thing that these people were uh, saying you had to practice, and these people were called the Judaizers, uh, was the rite of Jewish circumcision. And it wasn't just the act of circumcision, it was to identify yourself as Jewish. In other words, what they believed was you got to accept Jesus, but you got to be a Jew to get there. And so everybody's got to become Jewish, and, and the way that a man marks himself as belonging to the Jewish faith, according to the Old Covenant, was to be circumcised, the cutting away of the flesh, to mark someone at the place of reproduction, to remember that you were really a child of, of God, you belonged to God in a covenant relationship. And so there were some going around saying, 
That in order to get to heaven, you, you had to become first Jewish, and in order to do that, you have to circum- be circumcised. So, so that's what's going around. And Paul comes and he writes the letter to the churches of Galatia, and basically in a phrase, he, he says this throughout the letter. Uh, he says, salvation is not Jesus plus, it is Jesus only. So that's the main theme of the book of Galatians. It is not Jesus plus circumcision or Jesus plus becoming Jewish or Jesus plus feasts or festivals or customs or traditions. Uh, Same thing for today. It's not Jesus plus speaking in tongues. It's not Jesus plus water baptism. Uh, It is not Jesus plus tithing. uh, uh, Though though you might practice those things in the course of, you know, the journey of of your faith. But as far as salvation is concerned, it is Jesus only. It is Jesus. It is faith in what Jesus Christ has done for us. This is what grace is all about. God's riches at Christ's expense. He, God so loved us, sent his son Jesus to die for us. Why? Because God knows we can never live up to the righteous standard of the law. We will, we will exasperate ourselves trying to be good enough to get to God. Now, let me tell you as far as historically and why this is even relative to us, because the majority of us are Protestants. There are some Jewish believers in our congregation, but for the majority of us as Protestants, this letter to the churches of Galatia, Galatians was transformational in church history, and it especially relates to those of us who identify as Protestants. And here's the reason why. Martin Luther who uh, was born in the late uh, 15th century, died in the 16th century, was a practicing Roman Catholic, and he was devout. In fact, he decided to join a sect of the Roman Catholic Church called the Augustinian Monks. And he left his family, and he lived in a monastery in Germany. And his sole purpose in becoming a monk was to draw closer to God. And the monastic movement, when the, when, the, when the monks left society and gathered into monasteries, their intention was pure. I mean, let's give them credit. As far as their motivation was, we want to, we want to isolate ourselves into these monasteries so that we can seek God without any distractions and without any other responsibilities or obligations. It's 24-7 seeking God. And Martin Luther was a part of this in the 16th century. And he, in his own writings, talked about how he worked and, you know, the sacrifice around the monastery. You worked hard. You fasted a lot. You prayed constantly. And it was all in an effort to draw near to God. The belief was the harder I I work and and the more good things I do, uh, God is pleased. And the more I pray, God is pleased. And the more I fast, God is pleased. And yet Luther would write about how he was haunted, haunted with this question, have I done enough to please God? Now, some of you can relate to that question because in your lives you've wondered, am I I living up to a certain level where God is pleased with me? And Luther was haunted by this because he never felt like he could ever really please God. And he was concerned about whether or not he could please God based on two questions. Is it that I just don't measure up or is it that God is too hard to please? 
That, that was his struggle. He's like, I'm not sure I measure up, or maybe it's God is just too hard to please, but whichever question is true, I feel like I can never seem to, in his heart, please God. I don't think God is happy with me. I don't think God is honored by me. I don't think I'm making God smile. I, 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 as hard as I work, as much as I fast, as much as I pray, the good things I try to do, I just don't think God is satisfied with me. So he's praying and he's fasting and he's doing good works in the monastery. And he reads Galatians chapter 3. This chapter we've come to is pivotal not only in his life, but in church history. Because what Luther reads is Galatians 3 verse 11. This one verse is going to change church history and his, his life for sure. And verse 11, he reads this. Clearly, just jump ahead to verse 11. We'll come back to verse 1, but I want you to just kind of see here how important this is. He says, clearly no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. Important question. What makes a person right with God? That's a question every single one of us have to answer at some point in our life. What, what, what makes a person right with God? Well, up to this point for Luther, his answer would have been by doing good works, by obeying the law, the commandments of God. Now, by the way, the commandments of God and the law of God are not without merit. We're going to talk at the end of the chapter about the purpose of the law, but the works that we perform because we want to honor God's commands are the fruit of faith. It is faith that drives the engine. So if you think of a train, okay, works should be the caboose. Faith should be the engine that drives the train. And Luther realized he had it reversed. He had the caboose up front. He was trying to do good works. He was trying to do good things. He was trying to honor God and make God happy and pleased with him by this struggle and the sweat of his, literally the sweat of his brow. He thought, well, God will be pleased by all these things I'm doing for him. But until it then, but he reads then Galatians 3.11, the righteous will live by faith. And he realizes it's not about what I can do for God. It's what God has already done for me. And all he wants is me to exercise faith in regards to what he's done for me. And what has God done for us? Well, he offered his son Jesus to die on a cross. He says, now, if you, if you believe that your sins were paid for because the punishment intended for all of us was placed on Jesus, then you'll be saved or you will be justified. Now, justified is the word here, and I'll get back to Luther in a moment. Justified is the word here that Paul uses at the end of chapter 2. We talked about it last week. Four times Paul uses the word justified, and here's the definition, a legal term signifying acquittal. It's a judicial act of God whereby he declares individuals to be righteous upon their acceptance by faith of Christ's sacrifice for their sins. That's a lot of words, but that's basically what justified means. And again, I tried to simplify it by this little catchphrase, it's just as if I'd never sinned. You'll understand justification when you realize in, in a simple way, it's just as if I'd never sinned. That's how God sees us because of what Christ has done for us. We put our faith and trust in Christ, what he did on the cross, and then it's, as far as God is concerned, it's just as if I'd never sinned because he sees us no longer in our sinfulness. He sees us in his son's righteousness that we kind of wrap around ourselves. 
That's what the Bible talks about when he is our, the propitiation for our sins. He's the atonement for our sins. And so, therefore, we then can receive Christ as our Savior. And his righteousness is then, here's another $3 word in the Bible, it's imputed unto us. It just simply means it's, it's transferred unto us. And that's why one day we can stand before God. When you know Christ is your Savior, you can stand before God on a day of judgment. And because of what the transference of God's righteousness to us through His Son, that's why we stand, as Jude says, faultless one day before His glorious throne. Because, of what, because God sees us in view of His Son. Now, Luther gets all this, and it's like this light bulb goes off, and he realizes... I'm, I'm not justified, I'm not saved, I'm not made right because of all the works that I do, and no wonder I feel like I can never do enough good works to feel good, because none of us can compensate for our sin nature by just trying to be good enough. He says, I, I realize here what it is, this, this is about faith, and the Protestant Reformation was born. What does that mean? Luther writes out 95 reasons why he is opposed to the Roman Catholic Church that he's a part of for a few reasons. One, because he objects to the sole authority of the Pope. And Luther says, that's not right. The sole authority lies with God as revealed through his word, the Bible. So the Bible has to be the sole authority for faith and practice, not a man. And so thus he's like, the Pope shouldn't have the sole authority, the papal authority. Another thing he objected to was something, and those of you with Roman Catholic backgrounds, you, you, know, you know this history, was something called indulgences for sale, which was that you could actually pay money to have the, the priests uh, absolve you of your sins. And so you'd pay for indulgence. It was indulg- the sale of indulgences. And Luther said, that's not right. That's not right for, you know, to be, to be lying in the pockets of, of the church, paying, paying for, for absolution of your sins. That's not right, because it's Jesus who forgives us of our sins. So he took issue with that. And then the third issue that he mainly took issue with was all of this that we're reading about here in Galatians. It's justification by faith. It's not by works. And I've been breaking my back, and I've been trying to honor and please God, hoping he'll, he'll like me with all these good and wonderful things I've done, and, and in the, living in this monastery and cutting myself off from the rest of the world, And when in fact I still feel like I can't please God. No wonder, because it's not that I'm saved by works. It is that I'm saved by faith. Okay, so he writes out 95 reasons why. I, I, I can't be a part of the Roman Catholic Church anymore. Now, I don't know. Church history is a little fuzzy here. It, it, did, he, did he leave or, or was he excommunicated? Because he takes those 95 reasons and he nails it to the door of the church at Castle Church in uh, Wittenberg, Germany. And he just nails it on the doors. Says, I'm done. And they're like, oh, yes, you're done. You know, it's one of those things like, I quit before you're fired, you know. So is it, was it that he was fired or did he quit? But, but the basic re- he severs at this point, okay. And, and then the Protestant Reformation begins. And thus, we're here, the Protestant church. Because one man read something very liberating in the Bible and realized he was, he was on the wrong track, that he can't earn his way to heaven can't try to do enough good things, can't try to please God. God, listen, friends, God is already pleased with you. That's why he loves you so much. He sacrificed his son to die for you. Now, he's never pleased with our sin, 
But he, but he loves us, and he is pleased with us, and pleased so much that he would sacrifice his only son on a cross for us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It doesn't say we so deserved it that God gave his only begotten son. God so loved, he was motivated by love for us. And because of his love for us, he sacrifices his son. He says, now, if you put your faith and trust in, in him, he's going he's to satisfy my wrath against sin. I'm going to place all the punishment. This is, in effect, what God is saying. I'm going to place all the punishment intended for us on my son, intended for humans on my son. And if we would just look to Jesus and believe that he paid the price on our behalf, then we can have our sins forgiven and go to heaven when we die. So in the year 1517, October the 31st of all things, Luther nails his 95 thesis on the castle church at Wittenberg, Germany. This October will mark 500 years of the liberties, true liberty, not, not liberty that is excessive or sinful, but true liberty in Christ. 500 years the church is about ready to celebrate our freedom in Christ. So here in verse 1, Paul writes, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law, by doing good works, or by believing what you heard, faith? He says, are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit? Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing, if it really was for nothing? Does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard. So here's where Paul goes. Now again, we're working from this premise that we are justified, saved through faith alone in Christ alone. That's the premise he's, he's working from when he writes here in, in Galatians. And he's going to make some arguments here to help the churches of Galatia understand that, that you're saved, you're justified through faith alone in Christ alone, not by human effort, not by all these works. Okay. Now, before I show you what his arguments are, I want you... Once you notice again, verse 1, how he starts out, you foolish Galatians. There's a translation, a Bible translation called the J.B. Phillips translation. And I don't normally read it, but I came across how Phillips translated this first part here. And Phillips translated, oh, you idiots of Galatia. <laughs> so I just thought that was a little music. Now, you know, Paul, Paul's just giving it to him straight. He's, you, you're so foolish you're idiotic here. Why? He says, who has bewitched you? Now, I, look, I'm, I'm a guy who grew up in the 70s, okay? So I, I can't help but read that verse and think of what? Be- bewitched. I mean, it was, it was a dumb show on television, but how many of you remember Bewitched? All right. Man, a lot of you do. I probably should never even watch it, but I wasn't a Christian. It had a lot of, uh, you know, kind of, I mean, it was, I suppose some stuff is done innocently, but I don't know. I just don't like being exposed to that. Today, I wouldn't, today I wouldn't watch it. Like, what's, what's the Teenage Witch show today? Sabrina the Teenage. So some of you knows Sabrina the Teenage Witch. All right. So, so you, you get the idea. It's like, you know, you got sorcery stuff mixed in there. It, don't watch it. It's not good to watch it. Even though a lot of it's just Hollywood stuff, it's still not good to get into your heart. But anyway, Bewitched was kind of one of those shows. It was, it was the older version of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Uh, and it, and uh, it was fun for a while until they got rid of the one Darren and then they got into the other Darren. <laughs> and... Uh, then it, was, then it went downhill from there. But anyway, but, but seriously, what he means here is who's cast a spell on you? 
And it's actually interesting in the original language. He, he says, who gave you the evil eye? It's, a, it's an idiom that means, you know, who, who convinced you of something so foolish, that some kind of a spell on you or what, that you would leave the understanding of the simplicity of the gospel to think now that it is Jesus plus. Who, who, has, who has bewitched you like this? He says, before your very eyes, verse 1, he says, Christ was clearly portrayed. The Greek word there for portrayed is prographo. And, it, and it's referring to back in the day, very similar to how today, if you drive down the highway, you see billboards. And back in the day, they would have big placards and signs to communicate different messages. And that's the word that he's using here. It's, he's basically saying the message of Jesus was like on a billboard. Did you not see that when you were driving down the highway? Didn't I come into your churches and proclaimed to you about Jesus and Christ alone and faith in him. He was clearly portrayed to you. And so then he goes back and forth with them asking these rhetorical questions. But he's basically going to make two arguments here. And the first argument is that their own experience of salvation. That's in the section I just read with you. He, sa- he says, did you receive the spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Did you get saved and receive the spirit of God because you worked for it? Or because you believed by faith what you heard? Because you get saved because you believe by faith, not because you worked for it. He said, are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit? Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? You see, you see how, what he's coming against here? This tendency to just try to prove your worth by doing good? How noble is that? But how frustrating is that? Because none of us can ever compensate for our own sinfulness by trying to do enough good things to compensate for it. I mean, that's a, that is an act of futility. Now, you just stop and think about your day. Okay, just, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I'm not going to put a mic down on the floor and get you to come up here. But you just think for a moment of your day and things you're not proud of about your day. Somebody maybe you snapped at, somebody you were upset with, some, maybe you, you weren't completely honest with your boss or, you know, you, 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 some stuff even worse than that. But, but you know, I don't want to ask you to use your imagination because then you'll be thinking of all kinds of wicked and evil things. But anyway, but now think, think about all those things and now think, well, if it was dependent upon me to, to really do some good things to compensate for that, how much good stuff would you have to do to feel good about your day? Just today. Now extrapolate that for a life. Think about all the things that you and I do and think about how if it, if it were dependent upon us to be in right standing with God because we did enough good things to compensate for all the bad things, how many would be feeling good about themselves in relation to their standing with God? Not me. Not me. And so Paul's saying this. Have you suffered so much for nothing? Does God give you, verse 5, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? That's faith. Then he's going to move into a second argument here, which is the examples of Scripture, and he's going to talk about Abraham here. He says in verse 6, Consider Abraham. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, that's, he's quoting right out of Genesis fifteen six where it says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him with righteousness, as righteousness. And so Paul says, understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations, not just one, not just the Jewish people, all nations will be blessed through you, Abraham. 
So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now, here's, here's what Paul's going to do. Here's the reason he's using this argument, and it really is brilliant, because he's drawing on his own Jewish history and the Old Testament scriptures to prove to the people of Galatia just how much it is that we're saved by faith and not by the law. He says, you know a guy named Abe? Yeah, Abraham, kind of the father of our faith. Did he come after the law or before the law? He came before the law. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of Cornerstone Connection and that we were able to dig into the book of Galatians together. Did you know that you can download our mobile app and take Cornerstone Connection with you anywhere you take your phone? That way you'll never miss a message from Pastor Gary's studies and you'll always have encouragement from God's Word at your fingertips. Find a link to download the app for your iPhone or Android device at our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd love to meet you in person at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia, too. Stop in for a service this Sunday at 8.30, 10, or 11.45 a.m., or join us for our Bible study and fellowship on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Pastor Gary would love to shake your hand and answer any questions you may have about the study, about Cornerstone Chapel, or about how you can have a relationship with God. Find out more at cornerstoneconnection.cc. You can listen to additional teachings from this study or read accompanying resources on our site as well. Just look under the Teachings tab. That's all we have time for today, but join us next time to continue studying Galatians right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know